Hello, beautiful mama. We have such an exciting episode for you guys this week. We got to talk to Kara from Taking Care of Babies, and she gives us so much good information on getting your baby to sleep. My favorite part about this episode and talking to Kara is that she has no judgment for where you are in your sleep journey. So if you are up several times a night with your baby and you're okay with that, there's no pressure and there's no shame in that. And she's a big advocate of not shaming others. This is such a great episode because she really advocates for doing what is best for your family. So if you need help with your baby sleeping, she has some really great tips and she has some really great resources. If you guys are loving where you are, this is just a fun episode to hear about, especially her birth story. That's a really exciting part of the episode. Um, so if you're looking for her, you can find her at takingcareofbabies.com. That's C-A-R-A, takingcareofbabies.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Great Kids Snacks. This is a subscription snack box that gets delivered to your house once a month, and it's basically like Christmas for your kids. They get to open this box and get a bunch of fun new snacks to try out. Some of the stuff that we got in our box this month was Think Thin bars for kids. They're called Think Kids, and they're these pretty delicious protein bars. I definitely try every snack that they get because um, taxes. I really like the protein bars that they got this time around. They also have really delicious little fruit snacks and fruit pouches. Sometimes they get fun little cookies that are delicious but maybe not quite as high in sugar and tons of other ingredients that some of the other cookies might have. We love this subscription box. It's a great season in our life to have this with the three kids at home. Use the code MOMPOD, M-O-M-P-O-D, 2-5, for 25% off your first box. If you go to greatkidssnacks.com. G-R-E-A-T-K-I-D-S-S-N-A-C-K-S dot com. And remember that when you use that code, you are directly supporting our podcast. So thank you, everyone, for all of your support. Welcome to Mamosas. Hope you have your friends and your drinks nearby. You're here with Kristen and Talia. And we're here to talk about all things mom. Today we have a very special guest from Taking Care of Babies, Kara Dumaplin. Is that correct? That's right. Dumaplin. Uh huh. Oh, great. So she is a mom of four kids, a labor and delivery nurse. Her husband is a pediatrician. And she founded Taking Care of Babies, which is basically to help us all learn to help our kids sleep. Correct. So thank you for being on the show. It is my honor to be here with you too. So with our guests, we always love to dive in and go right to the birth stories. So please tell us about your births. Sure. Let's start with my first. I was a labor and delivery nurse. And my husband is a pediatrician. So where Ella was born, my first, it was like 
delivering a baby with all of your friends. Imagine that you're in labor. All of your coworkers are there. <laughs> all of your husband's coworkers are there. Sounds like a party. It's, it's a big party. That's what my husband said. He's like, it's a cocktail party with no cocktails. And you just um, happen to be the only one without clothes on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think you have to learn really quickly that modesty goes right out the window. Um, but you want to know my biggest fear? I mean, I have seen, keep in mind, by the time I had my first baby, I had been a labor and delivery nurse for eight years. Um, I had seen it all. And this was my biggest fear. Going in, not in labor, and having my friends say, you have to go home. You're not really in labor. So I was not about to show up in that labor and delivery unit unless I knew I was in labor. So I started having contractions around midnight. And I was like 39 weeks, three days. And um, I was like, oh, those are contractions. Okay. Okay. You're not going in. Now, let me tell you a little backstory. Ladies, when you work labor and delivery, when a woman walks in, you can look at her for about 45 seconds and you know, this one's going home. And I was <laughs> like, ah. and you know what, you know how we know? Because if you're like, hi, I think um, we're going to have a baby. I I'm in labor. We're like, oh, no, she's not in labor, right? <laughs> if if you come in and you're like, hi, I, I need a room. I, I think my water broke and I'm really, oh, that girl is staying. Or <laughs> if, if she looks at her partner and it's like, you talk, I can't. I'm like, oh, that girl's staying. So I'm like, do, Kara, do not go into that unit until you cannot talk through these contractions. So it was midnight. I was just uncomfortable enough not to be able to sleep, right? Just uncomfortable enough to be like, uh, I guess I'll clean everything again. <laughs> Why? Why do we do that? Why? Like, didn't we just clean this place like 48 hours ago? But anyway, everything got clean top to bottom. My mom was staying with me because, you know, she wanted to be there when the baby was born and she's from out of town. And so she was there. She's like, Kara, she got, what are you doing? And I'm like, mom, we're going to have a baby today, but I <laughs> need to tell you what I know. First time moms are typically in labor 18 to 24 hours. So you need to go back to bed and sleep. And so she was like, okay, but Kara, please let me know if you start getting uncomfortable, like you, I don't want to have this baby here. I don't want to deliver this baby. So I let her sleep. And then at six in the morning, I woke her up and I'm like, okay, starting to get uncomfortable, mom, starting to get uncomfortable. And she's like, Kara, let's go in. Like she was begging me, please, can we go in? I'm like, mom, I don't want to get sent home. Okay, this is so weird. But I was almost out of foundation makeup. I was out of my foundation. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have all these pictures taken. I am not going into that hospital room. So mom and I went to the mall because why wouldn't you go to the mall when you're in labor and you need foundation? So mom and I went in to the mall, bought foundation. And I like at this point had to stop when I had a contraction, I had to stop and like really concentrate and breathe through them. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. And the people in the mall are like, does she need to go to the hospital? And my mom's like, yes, she does. <laughs> so I got my makeup and um, checked out. Okay. Got in the car and she's like, can we go now? Can we go to the hospital? And meanwhile, my husband, like, where is he in all of this? I told him to 
go to work. I'm like, babe, go to work. I'll let you know. I don't want you sitting around looking at me here. And he's like, great. Let me get through. I have a lot of patients today. So <laughs> let me get through them. And then I'll, I'll be over at the hospital because his office was right across the street. So he's like, yeah, I'll meet you there. Let me know when you want me. So <laughs> we go to the hospital. I, I don't know. It must have been around 10, 10 a.m., right? And I get there. Of course, there's my friends. I had called them at, I don't know, 6, 7. No, it was after shift change. So after 7 a.m., called them. And I said, um, guys, I'm going to come in. Save me room two because that was my favorite room. Save that room. I'll be in later. <laughs> okay, that's what you need to know. As labor and delivery nurses, we have rooms that we like. We have rooms we don't like. We have things we want, right? So I called it in like I was checking into a hotel. Save room two for me. I'll be there later. So they did. And um, I get there, and they had a sign that said, welcome. We're so glad. Like, they had decorated it. Like, we Aww. were having a party. It was really great. So I get there. My friend checks me, and I just kept thinking, please be at least three centimeters, please be at least three centimeters. And she checked me and she said, Kara, you're two centimeters, but a hundred percent of the face. And I'm like, okay, at least I'm a hundred percent of face because you know, as a first time mom, we, we thin, we face first, then dilate. That's pretty typical, right? You guys are like, I didn't know I was going to get an education in labor and delivery here. <laughs> um, so, so I was like, okay, I'm two centimeters, hundred percent of face. My mom's like, oh, I thought she was like eight centimeters. Like, I, mom, I know what I'm doing. I knew we didn't need to come until now. You should have trusted me. But I was starting to get uncomfortable. And from that point on, it went pretty fast. Like, it was, okay, it really got intense and really got intense. My husband came over on his lunch break and he's like, why didn't you call me? I didn't know you were this uncomfortable. And I'm like, babe, it's still going to be a while. Why don't you go back, see a few more patients, then come back across the street? You guys, <laughs> I didn't want him there. Like, I felt like you're looking at me. I'm uncomfortable. He left. I got the epidural. It was amazing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to rest. I'm going to take a nap. When I wake up, we'll call my husband. So I did. I got the epidural took a little nap. My husband, it was like three thirty four. I'm like, okay, you can come tell the patients that you're done. Yeah. Come over here. Cause so now I don't know, I was about eight and in true. Now keep in mind as a labor and delivery nurse, you know, anytime a nurse and a doctor have a baby, you can probably schedule their C-section because it's going to get ugly. Like that's just, it's oh, a known fact, right? Like we just, nothing can be easy for doctors and nurses so we were just like this is gonna get bad so I told him but keep in mind it was beautiful like this baby looked beautiful on the monitor right so we're like hey not too bad so we're he came over the, the odds office. that's right we're 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 gonna do this right so he came over from across the street my mom's in the room yeah it's all going good then my water breaks guess what she has meconium now uh... You know, for your listeners that may not know, meconium is when the baby poops. Meconium is the name of the first poop. Mm -hmm. And so if you see meconium in the amniotic fluid, it says, okay, at some point this baby was a little bit of stress, was a little bit stressed. We probably need to have, you know, the NICU there present when the baby's born. So at this point, I know, okay, so at my birth, I'm going to have all my co-workers there you know all my husband's co-workers there oh and the NICU team will be there too this ought to be great bring them in so I bring them all in but I'm just thinking okay but 
still we're, we're still okay like I see doctors and nurses have babies and it can get ugly and so we're, we're still doing okay and this baby's looking really good on the monitor and of course I have to read the strip and I'm watching every contraction and all of that and um okay so I get completely dilated it's like 6 p.m and you know you know you know change of shift that's mm-hmm. when we like everything to go crazy right like right. is there anything worse than an emergency c-section at change of shift no like that's you don't want that but i'm like here we go this is gonna get that but guess what i delivered her at 6 47 p.m just in time <laughs> to have day shift there and night shift there and the NICU team there and everyone so that room my mom looked at me and she's like can we fit any more people in this room? And I'm like, I don't think so, mom. So there was just that moment right before Ella was born. And it was like, okay, we were just waiting for the next contraction and for me to push. And I just looked around the room and I'm like, okay, all the people I love in life are in this room. This is a beautiful moment. And you guys, I pushed, she came out, no worries about the meconium. She was screaming. Nine nine Apgars. It could have been a more beautiful delivery. Yay. So it was perfect. It was great. And I had all my friends there. And modesty is not something I've struggled with since. Great. I agree. Giving birth to your first kid puts all modesty out the window. That's right. It does. Uh, but especially when you have about 30,000 people in your room. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the story of Ella and how how I became a mom, my very first. So it was it was a good story. Um, the others were pretty. I just had great birth stories, and I've always loved labor and delivery, and of course made a career out of it. And I was a NICU nurse first. I was a neonatal ICU nurse first for the first five years of my career. So like this was, I loved it. And yeah. so to be honest. I could probably do it 10 more times. I just loved it. Had beautiful births. I will tell you with my son, I was working. It was New Year's Day and I was working and um, it was a crazy day. And we had labor patients everywhere. I was about 36 and a half weeks pregnant. And I'm like, oh, no, fluid running down my leg. And I'm like, my patient is ready to push. And here is fluid running down my leg. I'm like, oh, no, my water just broke and she's pushing. And so I just went to my charge nurse and I'm like, "Uh, Rose, I think my water broke. And she's like, Karen, not today. We don't have time for this. And I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, ladies, (laughs) she checked me. I had peed. It wasn't Uh in the attic. Oh, my God. She's like, get back to work. That's urine, not fluid. I'm like, I I would know if I peed. And, you know, those women, they come in and we're like checking them. And we're like, no, I'm sorry. Your water didn't break. And I'm like, wouldn't you know? Oh, no, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was my water. It wasn't. That's so so funny. I've always wondered about that because every time like I pee when I'm pregnant, I'm always like, I know I'm peeing. So. I same thing like I how do you not know that it's not but my water also okay. breaks like at 10 centimeters like my water breaks a baby comes that's what's happened for all right. three births and I have to tell you that's what's happened for mine too like it's in labor not like before and so but I'm telling you 
even afterwards, I'm like, I know when I'm peeing. I don't know if that baby just kicked the bladder just right, or maybe I squatted down while I was helping this mom. I don't know what happened, but I was like utterly embarrassed. So anyway, I didn't have him that day. Was your son your second? Yes. Uh-huh. I, I feel like the second is actually like the craziest because you're like, oh, I've been through it. So I know what's going on, but you don't like fully acknowledge that they're they come out differently every time and like they kind of have their own agenda. Exactly. Isn't that so true? Yeah. With my second, I barely made it to the hospital, but I didn't know because with my first I was induced and like I had an epidural. And so with my second, I did not get an epidural and there was a lot of screaming and and a lot of stuff going on. A lot of swearing. A lot of swearing. But you didn't have them in the car? No, I didn't have them in the car. Um, But everyone told me I was probably going to have my third in the car since my second came so fast. But I also kind of didn't want to be the person who showed up and wasn't actually in labor. So much like you, I went to Target. I mean, because why wouldn't you? And I did all... Why wouldn't you? I did Father's Day shopping because I was like, well, this baby's not coming for a couple more days. So we're good. Right. There you go. (laughs) I would love to tell you about what happened after I brought Ella home from the hospital. Please do. Okay, so wouldn't you think like, oh, she's a baby nurse. He's a baby doctor. They they probably have this down, right? Like they, they know. Okay, guys, that's what I thought. I thought, how hard can this be? Like, I got this. And the truth was like, I had helped hundreds upon hundreds of women breastfeed. I knew how to get a baby to latch. I knew how to change diapers. I, I felt like I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. How do you take care of a baby and not get any sleep? Like at night, my husband and I, I remember looking him in the eye and going, how do normal people do this? This is so hard. <laughs> like, I feel like I haven't slept in days. And he's like, oh, babe, this is like torture, isn't it? We were a hot mess when it came to our nights. We just, we knew how to take care of a baby. But why is a little person who's so tired, why don't they want to sleep? It was amazing for us like just go to sleep please so with Ella it was eight months eight months she was eight months old and I remember waking up one morning and she at that point was eating literally she was nursing every 45 minutes all night long Mm. all night long and um, I just I woke up and I'm like I can't do this anymore I, I don't know my middle name I, I don't like my husband anymore. I, I can't do this. I just hit a wall. Like I am exhausted. And mm-hmm. so that got me started on this sleep journey. This like, wow. okay, how do I, how do I get this baby sleeping through the night? Now, what would you do girls? Like you tell me your husband's a pediatrician, your baby's up all night. What would you do? Well, let me tell you, I was in a very similar situation, not with the background of you, but my son Uh started sleeping through the night at five weeks and we were like, we love you. You are amazing. Uh But then at five months, my Uh husband deployed and my son was like, I don't, I don't, this sleep thing, I'm all set. And so I was uh, home alone with him. He stopped sleeping at five months. And for five months, it was the same thing. Every 45 minutes, like clockwork, he was up, which meant I was getting 35 to 40 minutes. And you're a psychopath at that point. Uh, I mean, you are just an insane person. Um, So I, with him, 
I mean, so I like read a lot. That's how I, I'm a problem Uh solver. Um, Uh and so I read some books and I was like, well, I didn't feel comfortable doing like the hardcore cried out with him. So Uh I was like, but I got to stop night nursing. Like he, it Uh was also big. Like he's in the 99th percentile. So I'm like, Uh you obviously do not need to be eating 3000 times a night. Right. Um, so with him, I would just go in and I would hold him and rock him and sing to him and tell him I loved him. And he would scream in my face for two hours, but I would uh-huh. hold him. Very effective. Yes. yes. So Very I was effective. like, yeah. I love <laughs> you. I am here. Feel free to scream at me. We will get through this. <laughs> but right after together. about, yeah, after about three nights, he, he was just like, if you're not going to nurse me, then get out of this room. And right. so right. he sort of slept through the night, but it was more like until about four thirty or five was when okay. he would start waking up. Okay, well, that's a good start, though, right? Yeah. So much better. I turned to my husband, like, at that point, okay, we were so cranky, but I turned to him, and I'm like, babe, you're a pediatrician. Like, don't your patients ask you about sleep? How do you get them to sleep in their own crib? And, in like, all night long, how do you do it? And he's like, Kara, do you think they teach us that in medical school? I don't know. Put her in her bed, let her scream, she'll figure it out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can never do that. So that got Truth me started. Bone. That's right. It got me started on that journey. Like I have got to figure out infant sleep. And Kristen, I'm like you. I'm like, okay, I know how to do research. I know how to read the medical journals. Let me read them. And so I devoured them. And if you ask my husband, he says I did it obsessively. I say I was dedicated to the process, whichever you'd like to believe is fine. Semantics. Um, Yeah, semantics. Tomato, tomato. That's right. (laughs) And let me tell you, I read and researched and read and researched and read and researched some more. And let me tell you, I got that baby girl sleeping through the night. Um, And it kind of became my passion. Like, oh my gosh, it changed my life. Because once I began sleeping, it changed me. I was like a new person. Well, let me say you look very well rested. So, okay. <laughs> well, thank you, but I will tell you, she is fifteen. So I've had a few well, years. Bravo! I hope she's yes. still sleeping through the yes. night. Oh, she's such a great sleeper too. Um, but, but I have to tell you this. I mean, in all honesty, when when you aren't sleeping, it does. It makes you a crazy person. Oh, and totally. And research shows that when we are sleep deprived, we have a higher incidence of postpartum depression, anxiety, marital discord. Like we, it's a form of torture sleep deprivation is. Did you go through any of that, like postpartum depression Uh or anxiety or any of that? Yes. I mean, I, first off, like I just, my husband, like the sound of him breathing annoyed me. Like that was Kristen. Like, (laughs) ah, And I knew it had to be me and not him because I'm like, okay, what is he doing that's annoying you? He's breathing. I'm like, do you want him to stop breathing? Like, yes. What is it? Just (laughs) maybe that would help. Um, But I, I struggled. I struggled a lot of anxiety, a lot, and Mm -hmm. and depression. And here, I think such a letdown of expectation because my whole life, I wanted to be a mom. Like, I wanted to be a mom more than I wanted to be anything in life. That's all I wanted to be. And um, I have to tell you this, okay? I was my class valedictorian, which makes me sound like 
oh, she's so smart. No, guys, I just studied hard. Like, I just worked <laughs> hard. And um, I, I uh, sat down, you know, your guidance counselor office in in the high school, you know. They're like, so, Kara, um, what are your dreams and goals and aspirations? And I'm like, well... I want to get married and have babies. Oh my gosh. And she said, she looks at me and she's like, well, okay. We, we, we kind of had higher hopes for our class valedictorian. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's what I want to do. Like truly you guys, all I ever wanted to be in life was a mom. Wait, let me rephrase that. Not all as in just a mom, but like that was what I wanted to be. That was who, like I wanted to be a mom. And so, now fast forward to Ella at eight months and here I was a mom and I was like, this wasn't on the brochure. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. I mm-hmm. do not like this. And I really thought, in all honesty, I thought I'd be a good mom. And I wasn't because I was short tempered and I was sad and I was anxious and I was at the end of my rope. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I think a lot of that is hormonal and you know, something that I think a lot of like women don't understand is we think postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, like, Oh, that's when your baby's six weeks old or eight weeks old. But truly, do you know that it peaks at five to eight months after you give birth? That's, and, and I feel like society almost acts like, Oh, you should be fine. That kid's eight months old. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like you just gave birth, get over yourself, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. for me, that was like, okay, I know I should be fine now and I'm not, I'm not okay. And I really feel like sleep deprivation was playing into that. I think there, of course the hormones, but sleep deprivation for me was a huge part of that. So when I got Ella sleeping, that is what changed me. And that's what allowed me to go oh my gosh, I am enjoying her and I am enjoying motherhood. Like I wanted to be like, I, I finally felt like I was the mom that I was made to be. I, I, this is how it was supposed to be, but I wasn't able to get there until I started sleeping until she started sleeping. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. feel like if you haven't had that level of sleep deprivation, like you cannot understand how truly insane you feel mm-hmm. like it's such an out of body experience. I remember I would just get so irritated and like just throw things because I'm like, well, I can't. You're my baby. I'm not going to hurt you. But I am beyond like livid right now that like you woke up even 30 seconds before I was anticipating. Like, give me a second to get my mind around this. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think what I probably couldn't admit at the time that I can admit now is I resented her. I, mm-hmm. And that sound doesn't that sound so selfish to say it out loud? But I mean, I think as moms, can you not relate? Like, I resented the fact that Ella, I give you all that I am. I, you have the best part of me, and you still wake up all night every night needing me. And I, I felt like, oh my gosh, that's so selfish. But that was my struggle. I love you so much, but can you just sleep? Right. Yeah. I think we've all had those moments. Right. I think that's what started me on this passion to help other moms get sleep because it was so life-changing for me mm-hmm. when I started sleeping. It 
it changed everything for me. And that's why I think that's why I'm so passionate about sleep. Yeah, I totally agree. Just in parenting in general, for me, sleeping, um, eating, and just like behavior things, like I get like really into the research of it. And I mean, I'm not I'm not a specialist. I'm not an expert in any of those areas. But whenever someone's like, oh, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm like, okay, this might not work for you. But here's like what totally worked for me. And here's 18 resources I found for that. If you here you go, if you want some help on that. So what were like the first steps that you took after doing the research? What were some of the first things that you did with Ella? You know, I think it was coming up with a plan to follow, you know, like, I think the easiest analogy would be like fitness or weight loss. Like as a nurse, here's what I know. I need to eat healthy. Like, let's say, okay, I'm a nurse. I want to get fit. I want to, I want to lose weight. Okay. So I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to work out more. Perfect. I could do that. But if you had a plan to follow and I said, okay, on Monday, I'm going to eat this, this, and this, and I'm going to work out like this. And on Tuesday, I'm going to eat this this and this, and I'm going to work out like this, you're going to be way more successful than if you just try to eat healthier and work out more, right? Like you have a plan to follow. And that is what I did. I sat down and I said, I'm going to have a plan. I am going to write out a plan and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to stick to it. And I think in life, I mean, can you guys not attest to this? When you have a plan to follow, okay, I can... I can do anything with a roadmap in front of me. And so that, that I think is the most important thing. Have a plan to follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the newborn course. You sent it over to mm-hmm. me and I took it. And um, so this is my third baby. So with my first, uh, most of our listeners know this. So my first, we had like the debacle of no sleep. And so okay. with my second, I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that again. That was awful. And so uh-huh. I was like, kind of, and I also had postpartum anxiety with my second, but I was like very like rigid about like, I read the eat, eat activity, sleep. And I was like, really, you know, it says to be flexible about it. And I was a total nut about it. Um, and so he ended up sleeping too much. He was sleeping like 13 hours at night and napping a lot during the day. So he didn't gain enough weight. He started like, wow, he fell off his curve. Um, which isn't okay either, is it? Right. That's just that's stressful too. Right. right. So that and so then that kind of backfired. So I was like, I kind of need something, you know, that I can follow. And then, like, you just happened to send me the newborn class, and I was like, all right, great. Like, I'm going to try this. And so we've been following it. And I think what I what I have enjoyed about it is that you really stress that you can't be rigid about it. It has to be flexible. So you want to have, you know, a routine, but it's, it's gotta be flexible. So if normally your baby's sleeping for two hours during the day, but then they only slept for 20 minutes, like you can try to put them back to sleep for a little bit, but if they don't then roll with it and just make a new plan for that. Um, so that's been really helpful for us. And I almost don't want to say this because I'm pretty sure we're going to get hate mail, but she (laughs) is about to be eight weeks and she's already sleeping nine hours at night. I will give a disclaimer that she is in the 98th percentile for weight. Um, So, you know, that definitely helps. Um, But she's doing good. And all we did at night was once we get to like four or five weeks and she was doing a good stretch already. She's doing like a four hour stretch. Um, I just told my husband, you know, just like if she's fussing, 
We don't have to get her, but if she's crying, of course, get her up. And we just want to kind of get her used to going just a little bit longer um, at night without eating. But during the day, I mean, her own body is like clockwork. Every two hours she wants to eat, which is fine. I'll feed you every two hours if I get to sleep nine hours at night. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's so important, right? We, we've got to get those calories in every 24 hours, like throughout the day in 24 hours. So how do we do that? Well, if they're sleeping long at night, we need to make sure they're eating at least every three hours during the day. And if they're showing hunger cues before that, obviously feed them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so you've been following the newborn class, like what you learned in the, in my newborn class. Yeah, I have. And so, and it's been, it's been helpful. And I actually, so I did what you recommend, which is you take it before they're born. So you kind of have like a little foundation. And what I also like about it is that I am a big advocate of like laying a foundation and Mm -hmm. then kind of implementing it. And so that's pretty much what you also recommend, which, so that was easy enough for me. Like I already do that with my kids where I'm like, here's a foundation. And now like, let's get serious about what we're doing here. Um, so I really liked that. Kristen, absolutely. You know, um, I, I really focus my, my focus at taking care of babies is birth through age two. And I am really big on meeting a baby where they are developmentally, right? So for the newborn in that newborn stage, where are they developmentally, right? We we can't be rigid with a newborn. We can't withhold feedings from, like, that's not developmentally appropriate. Letting them cry at, at eight weeks, not developmentally appropriate. So, for example, my newborn class, Cry Free, you are laying that foundation. Just like you said, we are all about just meeting them where they are, laying a foundation, but you have a plan, a framework to kind of how to get there. Does that mean that tonight she could maybe she'll only sleep four or five hours before needing a feeding, right? That could happen and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, okay, but that's okay. Tomorrow night we'll try again. And if I can take new parents and you can take the newborn class before you're, before you deliver, you can take it in the first you know, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks of your baby's life. I want you to take it in the first 12 weeks. Any time in there is great, but I love your attitude with it. It's all about just laying a foundation. It is not developmentally appropriate sleep train newborns. And so that's what the newborn class is. It's all about that foundation, right? Go ahead. Um, Well, and I also really liked that, you know, with my second, again, because we had the whole debacle with my first, I was like, okay, so I'm going to help you learn to fall asleep on your own. So like, I really didn't like to hold him to put him to sleep, but he's really cuddly. So I like really liked to hold him. And that was, that was something that I was kind of at odds with of like, I really want you to learn to sleep, but I really want to cuddle with you. And so every time I held him to fall asleep, I felt so guilty. Whereas I like in your class where you're like, yeah, I mean, look, try to get them down for one nap a day on their own. Maybe like that can be your goal and that's fine. And let them sleep on you the rest of the time. Like that's fine too. You know, there's kind of, you just give a lot of tips about, um, the balance, the balance of how to, how to like really enjoy your newborn without, um, feeling like, okay, now I'm going to have to backtrack in four months. You know what I mean? There's, it doesn't have to be like black or white. Kristen, you're saying that with your second, you wanted to hold them, but you felt guilty to do that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I'm trying to create a good sleeper. So I feel too, I am, I'm guilty if I, 
I, I should feel shame if I'm holding him while he's sleeping. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And isn't that crazy? That's nuts. And But I get it because I also, while I was pregnant, I read this book about like setting your baby up, you know, to be a good sleeper. And truly, there's so much shame in holding a tiny baby. And so let me tell you, I exist to tell moms taking care of babies is here to tell new moms you can have a good sleeper and still cuddle and rock and baby wear and let them sleep on you sometimes too. You are not going to mess that newborn up. You are not. So that that's my soapbox that I'm going to be on <laughs> teaching every mom in the world. You can have a good sleeper and still cuddle and hold and rock and baby wear too. Right. It's about that. Balance. Yeah, we do that. And so we usually try to do at least one nap a day um, in her crib. And sometimes it's more. I mean, she has two older brothers. So sometimes it's like, uh, sorry, like I actually I physically can't hold you. Like I do have to put right. you down for a nap today. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but some days it is like, oh, this is really great that I can just sit here and let you sleep on me and feel fine about this. Right. And Kristen, I want moms to hear that. Your baby is eight weeks old, sleeping nine hours, gaining weight, doing well. And you baby wear and you hold and you rock and, and it's not messing that baby up, right? Like that is the message I want to get out there. Yeah. And she doesn't have, you know, a perfect schedule or anything like that. I mean, there are some days where, oh, we got to go pick your brother up and your other brother is awake and he also just uh, threw a rocket ship at your face. So sorry about that. Um, you're awake now. Let's go. <laughs> you know, so, right. <laughs> so there isn't a perfect schedule when you have a right. third, but I would say this is kind of. Um, the least stress that I've been about sleeping, you know, for my kids, wow. which is, which is great. And I mean, I, this probably sounds like an ad for you. So, uh, sorry, listeners. No, like it's, uh, it's not like I just, I've, I have taken the class and I, I've had a lot of like, you know, sleep stress and I did have postpartum anxiety with my second. So that was, you know, played a big role in what went on with him, but this has definitely been less stressful. That's why we have Kara on to tell all of our listeners about how her program actually did work. It's right. nice that, you know, Kristen actually did it. You know, she's our guinea pig on Mamosa. She will try all the products. I'll try everything. There you go. <laughs> well, she'll try anything and everything, but it actually, you know, really did work for her. I mean, I wish I had had this for our daughter. I mean, she had she has a bunch of medical issues, so it might have been a little different. But, you know, when we do have a second somewhere Whenever that happens, I'm looking forward to it, taking your class, because we had a really hard time with her and sleeping and uh, um, and she still is not a great sleeper. Right. I mean, and she's four. Wow. <laughs> so wow. And so you're like, tired. Yeah. I mean, and I work full time, you know, I and my husband stays home with her. So he's on her during the week. You know, uh -huh. I'm a teacher. Uh huh. So Sunday night through Thursday night, if she wakes up and cries, he's in. Right. Like he, and he just, and we know that we've established that that's the rule. That's the law in this house, you know, you're in. Uh, but she definitely still is very needy in sleep. And she, she doesn't, she's on nap refusal now. And I guess four is an okay time to drop the nap. But I mean, selfishly, I still want her to nap because I like to rest. Right. <laughs> I like the nap. I mean, come on. Or at least like the downtime. So we've been trying to do like, okay, quiet, like, time. quiet time. Let's just exactly. like read some books. Let's play with some toys that are a little bit more gentle and 
Let's not slam things into, you know, whatever. No, I think even if naps are over, don't we all need just some downtime in the afternoon? Just totally. like chill out time. I, I'm like, can we have that until we're 50? Like, I think that's important. I don't think that stops at age three or four, right? Right, yeah. So I think it's important. Um, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, sure. Please. Talk to me. As like moms, don't you feel like there's almost shame around the fact if your child, your baby isn't sleeping well? I'd like to talk about that because I want to say to any listener, like if your child, if your baby isn't sleeping well, there is no shame. The way your baby sleeps or doesn't sleep is no reflection of you as a mom. I was just going to say, I feel like, you know, it happens in all these different contexts too, because on the opposite, if you have a kid that sleeps really well, people get mad at you or just like how... You know, if you lose all your baby weight really quickly, people right. go, oh, I just hate you. You're just so perfect or your kid is just so perfect sleeping. That's why Kristen was like, don't I know we're going to get hate mail. And right. it's so sad that as moms, you know, a lot of us, you know, we do have those close friends that are like our tribe, you know, our mom tribe. Mm-hmm. But we should be, you know, embracing everyone and like, you know, hey, your kid's not sleeping at night that sucks. Or wow, your kid's sleeping at night. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but to shame one another or to be, you know, envious and mean about it. Like I just, I have no time for that. I hate right. it. No, that's <laughs> hashtag end mom shaming, no matter what the issue is, you know, totally. like let's do it. Um, I guess I want my message to be that if your baby isn't sleeping and you want help, guess what? There is help available for you. But mm-hmm. let's say you're up three or four or five times a night and that's working for you. Here's my message. Who am I to change that? If you, if what you are doing is working for you and your baby's growing and developing normally and or typically or whatever, it's no, it's not my business. Uh, good, good on you, right? Like, yeah. yay mm-hmm. you. So I, I guess that's the message that. I don't want to be that every mom should sleep train their baby. And, you know, we talked about newborns shouldn't be sleep trained. But after five months, if you're struggling, there's help. There's help available. I have an online class that you could watch today, 14 night program. We'll get your baby sleeping. But if what you're doing right now is working for you, you don't have to change anything. And so. That's my message. What's yeah, your I, on that? I totally agree. I think that a lot of times we almost feel pressured of, um, oh, well, you know, that baby, you know, this two year old knows their ABCs and all their colors and my kid doesn't. So there's something wrong. But no, your your kid, your kid just learned um, actually how to swim. Whereas this kid doesn't, <laughs> won't even go near water. So it's like your, right. your brain is just working on different things. And if that, if you're mm-hmm. okay with that, it's fine. There just, there's no need to compare. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think it's hard too sometimes within a family when you have multiple kids to not compare them. Yeah, I right. mean, I do it all the time. And I am like, please, Kristen, get it together because right. you cannot be comparing your kids like this. But it is really right. hard, you know, and I'm like, well, Nate slept like this and Finley sleeps like this and Astrid sleeps like that. And but it's like they're just different kids, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Isn't it true? And and they learn at a different pace and it's okay. Yeah, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a listener question for you, Kara. Okay, let's 
let's do it. So she asked, um, how do you calm your baby during the witching hour? So this mom, her baby, I think is maybe a week or two younger than mine. So probably in that six, okay. seven week range. And she said the crying doesn't let up in most nights until about 11 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. Tough. Okay. Let's talk about that. So that witching hour, if, if you're not a mom yet, you're like, hmm, that sounds awful. If you are a mom and you've experienced the witching hour, you're like, oh, no, no, awful? No, it's horrendous, right? <laughs> um, the witching hour, very common, let's say 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's that's when it's really common. But what causes the witching hour? If you haven't experienced this, this is when your baby cries and cries and cries and cries and cries. Often it is a result of a baby being overtired, right? They they just are completely overtired. And you would think, what do you and I do when we get overtired? We go lay down and we take a nap and we sleep, right? But when babies get overtired, they get adrenaline rushing through their body. It's like it's like you and I just finished running a marathon. If you just finished running a marathon and I said, congratulations, you finished, go lay down, take a nap. You'd be like, uh, uh, what, what? Like adrenaline is rushing through my body. I'm supposed to lay down and take a nap. That's what happens when this baby gets overtired. So when you are experiencing the witching hour or you have an overtired baby, your job at that point isn't to try to get them to sleep. It's try to your job is bring that adrenaline down. Let's get out of the living room where all the bright lights are. Get out of the living room where the television is on. Put your cell phone away from the baby and let's go in a dark room. Let's just take it down a notch. Turn the lights down. Maybe turn a a sound machine on. Calm. And, and you, check yourself. If you are intense and all stressed out, oh, your baby feels it. They can read you like a book. So your job at this point is, we're just relaxing. We're just going to be nice and calm. You know something that works really good for the witching hour? Water. Water. The sound of running water. Like, get in the bathtub with your baby. Run that bathtub. and Make it warm. Make it comfortable. Get in the bathtub together. Let that water run. Or wrap them, swaddle them, put them under the sink with the water running and wash their hair like they're at the salon. Just take (laughs) suds, just wash their hair because the sound of that water running, it's soothing and it's comfortable and warm water on your head. Like, ah, that feels so good. So the witching hour, number one, calm them down. Be calm yourself. Number two, try something that you haven't like water a bath, something like that. And the other thing, if you know it happens every day at, let's say, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, get a nap in at 4, 4.30. Like, even if that means you're holding and rocking and don't let them stay awake so long that they get overtired. Kristen, tell them, tell them what you learned in the newborn class. Like, we talk about wake windows in there. Like, what What's a normal wake window? What did you learn in that class for, for a newborn in those first 12 weeks of life? So generally 60 to 90 minutes. And here's what I found with my daughter is that at 45 minutes on the dot, she starts getting cranky. And I thought, well, so she must be tired early. She must just be hitting that wake window. But she will not settle and go to sleep until she's been up for about 70 to 75 minutes. So now I've just started, like I was actually just telling my husband, I was like, Okay, so I'm, you know, I'm going to go do this call. And so, you know, Uh 
she woke up at this time. So she, in 60 minutes, she's like, she's got to start getting ready to go down. She's going to act fussy at 45 minutes. You just got to change scenery. I was like, find some activities, rock her, go somewhere else at 60 minutes. That's when you want to swaddle her and start getting her ready to sleep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's so good. That's exactly right. And, and that's it. Um, we really have to watch, watch the sleepy cues. You know, sometimes the, that's, oh, I'm going to, you're hired, Kristen. You're hired. <laughs> sometimes we start to see like babies, oh, they yawned. We must need to get them down. Well, maybe, or maybe we just need a change of scenery, like you said. But what you've learned is this is how long she needs to be awake. We don't want to let her stay awake longer. Or she's going into meltdown mode. So <laughs> you know what to do when she hits that. You know, but lots of times I'm going to tell you with Ella, I didn't know anything like how long can they be awake before they get overtired? I had no clue. I thought when they got tired, they just went to sleep. Right. But I think lots of times with this witching hour, this baby has been awake maybe two hours, two and a half hours. They get they're awake so long that then they get overtired, which then you think, okay. Hey, well, then they'll go to sleep. Oh, no. Now you're in for it, like this mom mm-hmm. said. And they're up until 11 p.m. because they got completely overtired. So what's the best thing you can do for the witching hour? Prevent it by preventing an overtired baby. Yeah, and I've noticed in the afternoon, like around that time, it's just anarchy in our house, right? Like I have three kids under four. I'm trying to cook oh. dinner. I always try to do it during nap, but it doesn't happen. So here we are now, 4.30, right. 5 o'clock. Everyone's screaming at me. Um, and so I just wear her. I'm like, I know you'll sleep eventually in here, and I know you won't get overtired. So I just wear her usually during that time. Wait, but Kristen, if you wear her, are you going to set up healthy sleep habits? Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> it was, it was question. a great question. <laughs> yes, no, that's that's the perfect answer. That's exactly because you know she'll get a nap that way, right? Yeah. So that four thirty, five o'clock hour, that's the perfect time to be baby wearing because I don't want her to get overtired and make our evening miserable. And I know she'll get a nap here. Right. That's not the time that you want to practice the crib. You want to practice the crib at 8 a.m. in the morning, that first nap of the day when it's easier. This is the hardest time of day. I'm going to wear her so I know she gets a good nap in, right? Yeah, and especially, you know, with with the boys, like, they're young. So it's not like I can just be like, all right, well, go outside and play, and I'll see you in two hours when I get her down for a nap. Like, no, we all have yeah. to be contained, in, like, in some area, and she's not falling right. asleep while they're, like, throwing Legos at her. So right. it's just a right. lot easier <laughs> to have her <laughs> in the carrier. <laughs> She's going to be a she's going to be amazing when she grows up. Like you grow up with two big brothers, like you can't help but to go, "Okay, I got this." I've right? Got a sense I, of I've humor. had Legos thrown at me since I was 2 months old. Resilience is my middle name. That's right. She got drawn on at like 2 weeks old and I was like, "I mean, I can't even be mad about this." So <laughs> right. On with our day. At, at least they're artistic. Yeah, exactly. Um, talk to us about sound machines. So, I I did like the 45 minute sound machines and then I read like, oh, that's pointless. So I did no sound machines for a while. Um, And now every room in our house has a sound machine. I personally love it for my room. I'm like, I cannot believe I've gone 32 years without a sound machine. I love it. But I have had people in my life say, you know, we've heard that it has a a negative impact on their hearing. Um, So can you speak to that a little? Yeah. Let's talk about sound machines a little bit. So when a baby is in the womb, 
what do they hear? We used to think it was, oh, they heard mommy's heartbeat. But let's talk about what they really hear. They hear the sound of blood rushing through the placenta. And it's loud like a vacuum cleaner 24 hours a day. And what does it sound like? Shh, 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 loud, right? That's what they hear inside the womb all day, every day. Well, then they're born and it's nighttime and we lay down to go to sleep and it's silent, silent. These babies are like silent. I don't know silent. I've never experienced silent. So imagine trying to learn to sleep in an environment that is completely foreign to you, silent. It's hard. It's hard for babies to learn to sleep in that. So enter sound machine. As you've probably found, like, oh, when I turn a sound machine on, it works. It calms my baby. Why does it calm your baby? Your baby goes, oh, that sounds like the womb. I know the womb. I want to be there, right? So that's why sound machines are so effective. And I'm going to tell you, think about it. Our moms back in the day would like turn us, like turn the dryer on. Have you heard your mom say that? Turn the dryer on or have a... um like turn the hair dryer on, those kind of things. And I think if you talk to parents, they'll be like, oh yeah, the hair dryer, the vacuum cleaner goes on, the baby loves it. Well, that's why, that's why they love it. So let's talk about sound machines. How loud should they be? Equivalent to a shower running. Think about when you're in the shower. You never get in a shower and you're like, oh my gosh, the shower's so loud, it hurts my ears, right? Like you get in the shower and you're like, it's fine. But if your spouse came in the bathroom, they have to talk louder, right? Doesn't he have to kind of, hey, babe, you know, when you're in the shower, it's, you have to speak over it. But it's never at a level where it's like so loud that it's uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, well, you know, does it damage their hearing? Does it damage their ears? Level of the sh- of a shower. A shower doesn't damage their ears. In fact, I did this whole research study and I put it on Instagram. So if you're ever on taking care of babies on Instagram, there's a little highlighted story and it's called Sound Machine. But I got a decibel meter that I downloaded on my iPhone and I'm playing it. I get in the shower, fully dressed because I'm on Instagram, right? <laughs> and so I put my my phone like next to the shower and I go, okay, what decibel is it in the shower? It's like a 70... 72, you know, something like that. And I'm like, okay, so if that's the level of a shower, what does research say? What level does it have to be to cause damage? Mm -hmm. Well, that's like 85 to 90 decibels for an extended period of time, like eight hours. Well, that's uncomfortable. That for it to cause damage, it's like, oh my gosh, this hurts my ears level of the shower that doesn't hurt your ears right so i did this whole thing where i'm like okay here's the sound machine here's the decibel meter at the level of a shower we're nowhere near hurting a baby's ears but you know what you can tell like i don't know if either one of you have ever been in a room with a sound machine that's on too high it is uncomfortable i mean i've been in a room i know somebody who has a sound machine for their kid and it is so loud that i think it's like being at like a rock concert. Like concert. it does uh-huh. hurt your ears. Right. So like you can feel that. Well, and I was wondering if some kids are more sensitive to it. So my older son, he's a little bit more sensitive to like sound and stuff. Um, uh-huh. And he, if there's any change 
at all by like a decibel in his sound machine. He comes like running out. Mom, it hurt. Like it hurts my ears. It's too loud. My middle son sound asleep. Doesn't, hasn't noticed. I mean, cause it like, I I, so I'm wondering if some kids are just more sensitive to it and they might need it a little lower. Yeah, of course. And trust your gut. Like you said, uh, Talia, it's, you know what's comfortable and what's not. So put it at a level that's comfortable for you. And then mm-hmm. if you have a baby who's a little more sensitive to it or, you know, turn it down a little bit. Like mm-hmm. trust your gut on this one. This is one that like you got it. Don't don't question yourself. Um, I have like people that'll say, yeah, but Kara, I don't want my third grader to have to take his sound machine to a sleepover. So what if he becomes addicted to it? Okay, on that note, can we just address this? I am addicted to my fan. I cannot sleep without one. And I it's my last addiction in life because I gave up Diet Coke about, oh, three years ago. So I am not giving it up. But let's address that. Like, okay, what if you have a kid who you're like really concerned about them being addicted to the sound machine? Here's my advice. I want you to use it for the first two years of your baby's life, because I really think it does help them sleep. After two, if you want to get rid of it, you don't have to, but if you want to, here's how you do it. Turn it down just a tiny bit, Mm -hmm. just a little bit. And then two nights later, turn it down just a little bit more. And then two nights later, turn it down just a little bit more. It's a wean. It's just a wean. You're weaning off of it, right? Um, So, just ever so slightly turn it down, turn it down, turn it down until it's so quiet your kid doesn't even notice it's there. Well, and I always find that argument very entertaining. I had someone say to me, you know, but when they go to college, what if they still need it? I'm like, look, we all have weird things when we go to college. Like just, you know, it might not be a sound machine, but like, you know, my brother needs like a pitch black, absolutely perfectly silent room. My mom Uh sleeps with the TV on with the lights on. So it's like, you know, you send those two people to college in the same room. Good luck. Yeah. Like, you you know, the way I slept was different than how my roommates slept. And you know what? It, you know what we did? We problem solved. That's what we learned in college. Right. Problem solving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's face it. Isn't that what college really is for? That degree? That's secondary. It's the problem solving. That's yeah. why we go to college. Yeah, right? It's a conflict um, resolution. Isn't it? Do either one of you sleep with a fan? I mean, only when it's hot. Oh, okay. So you don't do it for the noise. No. And you know what's interesting is for a long time, our daughter slept in our bed with us. Uh So we got a king-size bed. We upgraded. She slept in the middle, basically starfished across. We're both like (laughs) cliff boy, cliff girl. Right. But we had a sound machine. And then we transitioned to her into her own bed. And the sound machine went with her. Uh And it was weird. I remember the first night that she didn't sleep in our bed and we didn't have the sound machine on. And I was lying there in bed, just, you know, it's so quiet. It's almost too quiet. Why is it so quiet? And then I realized, oh, I'm missing the, you know, we have an an app on the iPad that we play. uh, We played for her. It was like campfire and rain or something. So it's like Uh fire and rain Uh together. Uh I I miss that sound. And then like, I think I went into sleep in her bed. You know, she woke up and I went in with her and sound machines in there. And I went, you know, and it definitely like I had to have like a wean. I mean, it was much more of a cold turkey wean, but uh-huh. you know, I definitely was like one of those things of oh, I the sound. I'm missing that sound. Sure, yeah. So, I think I think we get used to it. 
I do. Yeah. I love yeah. it. We have the sound machine set to fan and we have it in all three rooms. And so at night, you know, we'll come upstairs and it's just like a chorus of sound machines going on. Uh-huh. But I like because uh-huh. my husband snores really loud and I normally wear earplugs except for like the first six months we have a baby because I just like I feel like I have to be able to hear them. Um, sure. But it does help as long as I go to sleep before him. The sound machine helps kind of mm-hmm. like. Right. Helps me tolerate it a little better, I think would be the best way to phrase it. <laughs> sure. So talk to me about this. What about music? You know, a lot of people like they say, okay, well, Kara, so the sound machine, like I typically recommend rain, ocean, white noise. But lots of times people will ask me, what, how do you feel about music? Like if I just played music all night long. I mean, we definitely did like, we definitely did the nature sound. So I, right. the music, I don't know. I think that would be too stimulating for me. So I don't know how it would be for my kids. No, that's, that's what I wanted to tell you is music stimulates the brain. There's all the research about music. So we don't want to use music. That's the answer to that one. Because music truly does stimulate the brain. It's a great awake time activity. But I yeah. think a lot of people have been trained like, oh, lullabies. You know what a weird one is? I have a sound machine and it has uh, traffic, like cars. <laughs> Sounds awful. Oh. And it also has like haunt, like at one point, like, you know, it's a track. So it's like cars right. driving. And then I think like every like seven seconds, there's like a beep. There's like a little honk. I'm like, I mean, I guess is this for the kid that's living in Brooklyn? Yeah, or I guess if right. you grew up in New York City. <laughs> right. These are our New York City kids. That's what they're used like, to. They go off right? to like camp away in like Nebraska or something they're like, ah, ah, I need my traffic. I don't know what they're telling <laughs> but That's right. That's right. Let me just say that really quickly. Music we don't want to use. Like, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's a lullaby. That'll rock me to sleep. But no, music truly is very stimulating to the brain. Yeah. So use it, it during awake time, not for sleep. I'm glad that I my brain operates the same as a baby. It does. It does. It stimulates you. You said it. I think it would stimulate me. You're absolutely right. You've got a baby brain. In the right there, Kristen. Kristen, baby brain, Dernan. Kristen, oh, Astrid, right. same level. <laughs> So my last question for you is about pacifiers. So again, in your newborn class, you mentioned that a lot of times a pacifier will help calm a baby down, which is really kind of your goal in the in the newborn class is to help calm them down. Um, but you did mention that some babies maybe might not like them, but you can help them take it sometimes. So what's your advice for getting them to take a pacifier um, if they act okay. like you're putting acid in their mouth when you give them one? Right, right. I think let's let's can we dive in deep just a little bit with pacifiers? I feel like there's such a bad rap. I think pacifiers do get such a bad rap. And um, I think for nursing moms, they're kind of taught, hey, if you want to nurse, your baby should not be given a pacifier because if you put a pacifier in their mouth, they're never going to nurse again, which is just funny to think about it. Right. And let me tell you, there's so much a nipple confusion, you know, there's all that stuff. Yeah. And ladies, I know that there's probably, please don't send hate mail to me, but in 20 years of experience, I've never seen a baby that like, I knew how to nurse until you gave me that pacifier. Now I don't know how to nurse anymore. Like I've never seen it. I'm sure people have, but I'm telling you by and large, nursing moms, please don't fear the pacifier. Um, New research came out in the Journal of Family Medicine, and it says, like, there was all this research, and here's what it showed. It showed 
that if a mom is dedicated to nursing with or without the pacifier, their success at nursing is it, it doesn't matter. Let me let me rephrase that. Whether or not they use a pacifier, they can still have a, nur- a successful nursing journey. So the pacifier is irrelevant. Um, in fact, there was on the East Coast, they did this huge study where they decided, you know what, we are a breastfeeding friendly hospital. So we're going to remove all pacifiers from the hospital. And do you know what happened with that study? The rate of nursing moms in that hospital dropped dramatically. When you hide, mm. when you take pacifiers away, it makes moms go, then heck with this. I'm done with nursing. Give my baby a bottle. Which, again, no shaming. If you give your baby a bottle or a formula or whatever, so be it. I still think you're a great mom. But I'm just saying, if you want to nurse, you don't have to fear the pacifier. When is it okay to give a baby a pacifier? I did it 24 hours old. Yeah, I did it out the gate. Yeah, with all and them. that I think, and I think that is not that they have to have it then because you know the AAP does say to wait until nursing is well established. But okay, so let's say you wait 10 days or seven days. I'm going to just encourage you, don't feel like you have to wait forever to, to start it. But I actually have a little blog post if you go to takingcareofbabies.com. And that's Kara, C-A-R-A, just in case you want to spell it. But takingcareofbabies.com under blog, I have a, pacif- a pacifier blog. And I, there's a video of me offering a pacifier to a baby who refuses to take it. And the trick is this. When you offer a baby a pacifier, you'll see them like stick their tongue out. Have you seen this? It's like they stick their tongue out. And what do we think when we see that? That That's a no. Like, ooh, I don't like it. They don't yeah, like that's, it, yeah. Right. Like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. Okay, that's a reflex. When you put something on a baby's lip, they stick their tongue out. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. That's reflex, right? So don't take that like, Bleh at meaning, I don't want that. That's a no. That's just a reflex. Apply firm pressure on the tongue, uh, go around in circles, and guess what? They might kind of gag. It's okay. What What's our immediate reaction when a baby gags? Pull it out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just give them, give them some time, go up and down, go in circles, and don't try to offer it when they're screaming their head off, because they're not going to take it. Offer it when they're calm, when mm-hmm. you're, you know, in that quiet moment, not in that moment when you're like, you're screaming, I think you need a pacifier. They'll be like, no, I don't want that right now. So those are some kind of tips for the pacifier. Don't fear it, moms. If if your baby doesn't take it, okay. But if your baby does, non-nutritive sucking, which means sucking without getting nutrition, can be really calming for those babies. Mm -hmm. Remember we talked about the witching hour? Oh, Mm -hmm. When a baby sucks, it releases endorphins in their brain. And so that's why, uh, obviously, if offer a feeding if they're hungry, but if they're just fussy, that sucking can cause um, a release of endorphins in their brain, which is so helpful. Well, and I think it helps them with their digestion, too. So if they're trying to get a poop out and it won't come out, that sucking helps. Absolutely. And very few people know that. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, reflux babies, babies that where the acid from the stomach is coming up into the esophagus. When you're sucking, it causes the peristalsis motion, which 
is that motion that makes everything move through the stomach and the intestines. When they're sucking, it makes that go. So it brings the acid down back in the stomach, out of the esophagus where it belongs. Like you said, helps them like with pooping because it's moving everything along. So mm-hmm. there really are some good benefits to the pacifier too. But if your baby doesn't take one, again, no shame. Yeah. And if you don't want to give one, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So we're going to ask our closing question here because you've okay. been very generous with your time. Ben yeah, Myers, thank you. I love it. I've had fun with you guys. So what kind of media are you consuming right now? So this has nothing to do with um, anything. Just, you know, what are you reading right now? What, what movies you're watching? What shows are you loving right now? Okay. So let me tell you, I am reading Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I love that girl. I love that girl. Um, so if you get a chance to read her book, I read last summer, I read um, Girl, Wash Your Face. Girl, Wash Your Face. Yep, I read that. And so right now I'm reading Girl, Stop Apologizing. And I'm really loving it. I love it. So awesome. I recommend it. I recommend it a lot. Um, what am I watching? Let me tell you. My sister's husband is a writer. Um in Hollywood. He is the writer for a show that's on Sunday nights. It's called God Friended Me. Okay. And so I'm not, I'm not a big TV watcher, but you know, he um, named a character Kara for, for the lot since I've known him, I've, I've been telling him like, Hey, Steven, will, will you write a show and write a Kara into it? So I've been asking him for years, you know, like over a decade. And Finally, he does it. And guess what? CBS picks it up. I'm like, there it is. There's your Kara. You got a Kara in there. So <laughs> I've been watching that. That's it. I love Dateline. I know that's weird, but my husband and I, that's date <laughs> night for us. We, we, we love watching Dateline together. Isn't that so weird? Like Dateline on the couch. That's like heaven for me. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, yeah this has been you. so informative. I know that a lot of people are going to love this. And if you guys want to check out any of her stuff it's taking care of babies so that's c-a-r-a and right. that's her handle on instagram facebook and you can also go to takingcareofbabies.com and she has a plethora of resources so i definitely um, recommend that for everyone yes thank you ladies this has been so fun thank you yeah we love chatting on with the you show. thanks everyone for listening bye bye, bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.